0: I'm glad you're here. I thank God for you guys. I love you. Uh, Those of you that are joining us online, we're grateful uh, for your presence. Um, I want to apologize for not coming out to greet you personally uh, during our worship, because I'm mad at somebody in this room. Yeah. I think somebody gave me a cold. Yeah. I was feeling bad uh, last Monday. Go to the doctor. They test me for COVID. No, you don't have COVID. Test me for strep. No, you don't have strep. The doctor sits down with me, says, look, Grandpa, it's a cold. <laughs> Suck it up. And you know what I figured out? jay got the same thing. Jake gave me the cold. Oh, yeah, he's out of the will. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to give it to you. I'm glad uh, that you're here. Um, if you're here for the first time, man, we are delighted that God has brought you. We believe that he arranged this moment And not just for those that are here for the first time, arrange this moment for you. But for everyone here, we want you to know something about our church. It's important to us that you know here at Central that it's okay not to be okay. I mean, I'm a mess. I got a lot of messy stuff going on in my life. The people around you, they're a mess. They got mess in their life. We're just here to get our messes closer to Jesus. So, let me start this way. What, what is your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Maybe you work all week, you're busy, but you can't wait to do this one thing on the weekend. Church, Church okay, cool, baby. Um, but well, for Jake and I, It's when people come forward at the end of our talk to surrender their lives to Jesus and join him fully in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. And it happened last night. A grandma and her adult daughter and the adult daughter's son all were baptized together at the same time. Man, that made our weekend. Yeah, praise the Lord. But a close, close second to that is when people come forward at the end of our talk to receive prayer. We believe that prayer changes our lives, changes the landscape of our lives, recalibrates our hearts, realigns our hearts to be more like Jesus. And uh, I noticed something uh, maybe about six months ago Uh, about the people that I was praying with in this room. That the number one request for prayer was about relationships. They were having struggles in their relationships, in their parenting, in their marriage. And so we would pray. But then maybe really, really close second to relationships was finances. And then right there in the mix was emotions. People praying for their uh, emotional well-being. And so I just decided um, that we would do three sets of messages on those issues, we wanted to help you. And so we did this, coming out of Easter, we did five weeks on relationships. And then we've just ended a brief series on financial effectiveness. And today we launch a new series, Emotions. Do you know the source, the number one source of emotional pain in our culture today? It's anxiety. The number one health issue for women in the US is anxiety. The number two health issue for men in America is anxiety. Number one for men, number one health issue, addiction. But I think anxiety would be number one. It's just that men are trying to medicate their anxiety with drugs and alcohol. The number one health issue for teenagers today is anxiety. And man, not just with this message, this message is so timely because anxiety has become epidemic in our culture but I'm hoping that you'll be able to write a new chapter in your life because of this series. A chapter where you're more free of anger, where you're more free of anxiety, where now peace and hope and joy become the dominant features of your life. Anxiety is a super, real struggle. And I mentioned women in America and men in America, kids in America. Do you know the country that is subject to the most, the highest levels of anxiety in the world, the country? You might think Russia, nope. China, nope. It's the US. We win the gold medal for anxiety. And it seems like it's at a time when we have less reason to be anxious. I mean, our country is very prosperous. We we are safer than we've ever been. I mean, parents today make their kids wear helmets when they ride their bikes. How many of you wore a helmet when you were a kid and rode your bike? I mean, you're way younger than me if that's the case. I mean, when I was a kid, there were no car seats for children. We didn't wear seat belts. We were going to the ice cream stand. We all piled into the back of somebody's pickup truck and hung our legs over the sides. If I did that today with kids, I'd be arrested. So why in an era when there's less reason for anxiety is there so much anxiety? Let me give you four quick reasons. Here's number one, we are less connected to God. In our homes, in our schools, at our workplace. And I tell you, less connection to God means accelerating anxiety. More of God in our homes, in our schools, in our workplace, more of God means more joy, more hope, more peace, more love. Number two, we are less connected to each other. COVID hammered us. Not just the disease, but it created this isolation. We Zoomed in meetings. We worked remotely. We were quarantined. We were, had stay-at-home orders. And when we came out of COVID, um, People were coming back to church maybe a year and a half ago. I told our leadership, man, I think it's great that we've got 12, 1,300, 1,400 people at Central over the weekend, and our Janesville campus, our Beloit campus, our inner city work, our, our Hispanic work. But all these hundreds and hundreds of people coming are so disconnected from each other. They feel so alone, even in a crowd. So that's why we created that new beautiful family room space. And it's why every month, the first weekend of every month on Sunday morning, we have a free breakfast in that room. We want you to get together with other people and craft real relationships. Because a part of the struggle from COVID is that we've been doing fake relationships with other people on Facebook and social media. That's the number three reason for anxiety in the US, we are too connected to the news and social media. If you know me well, you know that in the fall of 2020, I was having high anxiety and I stopped watching the news. Nearly three years later, I still don't watch the news. Not only has my anxiety, not only has my anxiety decreased, my IQ is through the roof. Yeah, I got smarter not watching the news. But psychologists tell us today, this number one health issue among women, men, and teenagers is directly related to being on social media. And I know some of you are freaking out right now. I mean, my suggestion is, I've taken extended times away from social media. And maybe you're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat But I'm telling you, if you're having anxiety, that's something you just gotta jettison from your life. And I know some of you are just making up excuses in your brain now why social media is essential to your life. You couldn't live without it. I had someone I loved one time, they drove to work and had forgotten their phone. Halfway to work, half hour to work, they're halfway. Guess what they do? Yeah, it's like we can't live without it. Even though it's creating anxiety, we make excuses for why we need it. And that's the fourth reason for anxiety today. Our anxiety levels are, uh, 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 excuse me, our anxiety equals the amount of excuses that we make. If we are unwilling to change, I'm gonna keep watching the news no matter what pastor says. Well, go ahead, I don't care. That was for me. I'm gonna stay on social media no matter what. If you're unwilling to change how you think in your patterns of thought, you will stay stuck in the anxiety. We make excuses that keep us stuck. And then, well, what is anxiety really? Let's get to that. Let me answer that question by asking another question. What's the difference between fear and anxiety? Two different animals, fear and anxiety. Fear, you you see, in fear you see and you react. You move. My Debbie sees a spider. ah! She screams. Me, I see a snake. I run. Chicago Bears see Aaron Rodgers. They scream and run. (laughs) But here's the truth about fear. I mean, fear is a good thing. Fear is healthy. Fear keeps us safe. We see the danger. We get away. And fear is temporary. You see those flashing lights on a cop car behind you going down the the highway, and your heart starts pumping 90 miles an hour. But when the police officer passes you to get somebody else, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Fear is temporary. In fact, it lasts about 40 seconds. It'll hit you like a wave when you see the snake. But once you get away from the snake, 40 seconds later, you're all good. Now, anxiety is like an ugly awful, uninvited guest who moves into your home without your permission, takes up residence, and will not leave and just kills you in the process. Anxiety, different than fear, anxiety just imagines the threat. There's no spider, there's no snake. I wish there wasn't an Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. But you imagine, you manufacture in your mind the danger, and then it paralyzes you. You can tell if you're creating your anxiety for yourself by the number of times during the day or when you're under pressure that you ask the question, what if? What if my kids, my my baby doesn't even have teeth, but what if when they grow in they're crooked? What if I can't afford braces? What if nobody will marry them? What if I don't get grandchildren? What if, what if, what if? You create anxiety for yourself by asking the question, what if? You are manufacturing worst case scenarios that don't even exist and 95% of the time will never exist. But you create the anxiety by asking what if. Better to transition away from what if anxiety to who is peace. Who is? Who is? We'll take you to hope. Who is? We'll take you to joy. Who is? We'll take you to greater levels of love. Now, before I tell you the profound and powerful effect of asking who is on an ongoing basis, I want us just to take a deep breath, okay? I know talking about anxiety at church just makes you anxious. So let's breathe in. Breathe out. because I'm gonna say something real. If you're feeling anxious right now, you're human. Don't let anybody guilt you ever about your anxiety. We all struggle with anxiety. If you feel anxious, if you're going through anxiety, as I have, you're a normal person. Jesus, our Jesus went through severe levels of anxiety. He said, I'm about to die from this anxiety. And if we follow Jesus, we're probably gonna follow him into anxiety. But Jesus, Jesus never asked asked what if. Jesus didn't get stuck in the anxiety. He got free of the anxiety by always asking who is? Who is? Who is? That's what us triumphantly out of the anxiety and into peace. Who is? You see, man, I'll be a little bit more real. Sometimes anxiety is so severe that we need to be in counseling. We need to take medication. I mean, I'm a type one diabetic. I give myself shots of insulin four times a day, every day, and will for the rest of my life. I go to a specialist on diabetes to help me navigate this disease. And I would be foolish not to. It would kill me if I didn't take the insulin. And it's equally foolish that if your anxiety has reached a certain level, that you would not be open to counseling and medication. Because you just want to get better. It doesn't have to last forever. Get help when you need help. Because you see, what we all want to realize is that Good faith has an impact. There are spiritual implications to our anxiety. In fact, some of my greatest anxiety has come because of my greatest sins. But there are spiritual practices that we can take that can greatly diminish our anxiety and greatly increase our peace, our hope, our joy. Our love, and let me just give you a few this morning. There's this guy. God is breathing on this man. His name is the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. What you gotta know about him as he writes these words, he's been arrested. It's unfair, it's unjust. He's been arrested for talking to people about Jesus. Now, you just pretend for a moment it's you, that you shared your faith with a neighbor. All of a sudden, someone comes pounding on your door It's a police officer. He says, you're under arrest. Turns you around, handcuffs on you behind your back, takes you out, stuffs you in the cop car, takes you to jail. You don't just go to jail, you go to prison. Paul is not just unjustly arrested and in jail, he's in prison and he's on death row. His execution is imminent. All the elements for sky high anxiety. And here's what he writes. Delight yourselves in God. Yes, find your joy in him at all times. And you're like, I don't know if this guy's in prison on death row, but he's gotta be smoking something. I mean, I got some hard problems in my life. I got some heartaches. I got some struggles. And I didn't come here to get some sugary, sweet cotton candy snippet of self-help. Well, the apostle Paul's not messing with you. He is sitting in a situation that would create anxiety in others, and he's just saying to me and my anxiety and you and yours, delight, here's the way out, delight yourself, here's the way to get free of anxiety, delight yourself in God, find your joy in him at all times, at all times, when life is at its worst, delight yourself in God, what does that look like? You did it this morning, in a a room this size with this many people, There's a whole bunch of us struggling with anxiety. But you brought your anxiety to the Lord's house on the Lord's day with the Lord's people. This is how you find the Lord's peace. You did good. But you're not gonna be able to be here forever. So when you go home, instead of being on Facebook, put your face in the book. The times in my life when I have suffered severe anxiety I would go into the word of God many times during the course of the day because I hated the anxiety. I longed for the peace. And so I would go into God's word. I would have to write scripture down. I still write scripture down every day because I couldn't hold two thoughts together at the same time. I could read a paragraph and not tell you what I'd read. So I wrote it down and I would get by myself and write scripture, get by myself and write scripture. I would get by myself and write scripture and pray. The scripture is God talking to me, my prayers are me talking to God. Psalm 21, may the Lord answer you in your anxiety and protect you by the God, the name of the God of Jacob. You read stuff like that and then I would pray back, oh God, hear my prayer in my anxiety, protect my wife, protect my children, protect my finances, protect our church in the mighty name of the God of Jesus. Yeah. So. You guys are taking up my time with all this clapping stuff. Okay, so here's here's the deal. You delight yourself in God through worship, through the word, through prayer. I'm telling you, this is what gets you free. You stay at it. You stay diligent. And to me, I see it as a suitcase. I do that and it makes my anxiety come so it's got handles. I can take it and move it out of my life. If it comes back, I see it, I work the word, I work the worship, I work prayer, and I get it out of my life. But he goes on to say, find your joy in the Lord at all times. He doesn't say, find your joy in cancer. Doesn't say, find your joy in your financial problems. Find your joy in the Lord. Your focus is wrong when you focus on your struggles. You focus on the Lord and the result is joy. Here's the deal, God has an endless supply of joy for you. He's just waiting for you to position yourself to be on the receiving end of his joy. What does it mean to delight yourself in God and find your joy in him at all times? It means we celebrate what is true about who God is. Who is? God is. So what is true? about our God. I wanna give you two anxiety-busting truths today. They busted up anxiety in my life and they'll bust up anxiety in your life. Here's anxiety-busting truth. Number one, trust that God is in control. When we feel anxiety, whether it's you or me, it's evident that we are trying to control. To the level that we are controlling, To that level, we will be anxious. We try to control the people in our lives and it creates such tension, such unpleasantness. It makes us miserable because we're no good at controlling. It makes them miserable because they don't want to be controlled. We try to control situations. Here's a problem, I want to fix it. Here's a problem, I want to resolve it. Here's a struggle. I want to make it go away. Our efforts to control people and situations, elevates the level of our anxiety. It makes us miserable. The Bible says there's a better way. Here's the way of God. The prophet Isaiah cries out to the Lord, God, you will keep, you will keep, you will keep, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When we're anxious, we fixate on what ifs, worst case scenarios. But when we fixate, when we fix our minds on God, not only do we get the peace of God, we get peace with God. You will keep in perfect peace those who trust you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Um, The reason I feel such pain when I'm trying to be controlling is because I'm not big enough. I don't have the skills, neither do you. Only God, we trust that God can take care of those we love. We trust that God can take care of those that we are at odds with. We trust that God will handle the problem. We trust it, we entrust it to God. And he takes the problem, he takes the people and gives us, gives us peace. I'm a controlling person. You're likely at some level a controlling person. So everybody in the room, raise your right hand. Everybody raise your right hand. The people that are controlling are like, he's not gonna tell me what to do. (laughs) Raise your right hand, repeat after me. I hereby hereby, solemnly swear swear, that I relinquish relinquish. the control of the universe universe. to to a good God. Okay, you feel better now, I know. You may have to say that to yourself about 12 times a day. Okay, here's anxiety buster truth number two. Trust that your God is good. And maybe you want to give me pushback on that. David, how do you know that God is good? I mean, look at the bad stuff in the world. Look at the bad stuff in my life. How, do you, how can you tell me that God is good? I'll give you the irrefutable evidence. Remember Paul? in that prison cell, death row, awaiting execution. He writes, delight yourselves in God and find your joy in the Lord at all times. And here's the very next sentence he writes. He writes, never, never forget the nearness of your Lord. He's here with me in the prison cell. He's here with me in my cancer. He's here with me in the midst of my financial problems. He's here with me as I struggle with my teenagers. He's here with me as I struggle in my marriage. Never forget the Lord is near. And to give you irrefutable evidence that that this is proof that God is good, that he is near, he sent his son Jesus to be our savior. He sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. He sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus wanted to be so near. I mean, God saw us with our sin mess and knew that our sin separated us from him so that he could be able to come near. He sends Jesus. Jesus willingly goes to the cross, receives the spikes into his wrists, into his ankle, the spear up into his heart. He receives it because he wants to come near. This is the way for God to come near to you, and to validate this is absolutely true, God raised Jesus from the dead. So those candidates for baptism last night, I told them, hey, everything you've ever done wrong, it's all put on Jesus, and everything right about Jesus is put on you. Anything bad about you, anything bad you've thought, done or said, it's all on Jesus, all on him. He takes it on himself, and everything good about Jesus is on you, we all have ugly, evil, imperfections. But when we look to Jesus, he takes our imperfections and imputes us with the glory and beauty of his perfection. Why now God can come near? And when they were baptized last night, they were saying, I wanna come near to God. God says, here's Jesus dying on the cross, risen from the dead. That's the sign, proof, evidence. I wanna get near to you. And they said, we wanna come near to you, God. We wanna join Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. whatever you're going through, know this, God is near and he's at work to your good. When you are at your worst, God is not put off by your bad behavior. God is near and he's at work to your good. Your bad decisions don't frustrate God. God stays near and stays at work to your good. Your sin that doesn't appall God. He stays near. Points you to Jesus. And works to your good. God is near. In control. And at work to your good. Wednesday of this week, I got a call about 7.30 in the morning from uh, my mom. I recognized the phone number on my uh, screen, and I answered the phone. Hey, mom, how you doing? And she said, David, I got some good news and some bad news. I said, what? She said, well, the good news is your dad has gone to heaven. The bad news is we're all gonna really miss him. My dad had passed away at 5.30 in the morning. The instant his eyes closed in death, they instantaneously opened in the presence of Jesus. But now what do we do? I don't know. All I know is our good God is in control. My mom and dad have been married for over 73 years and now my mom is a widow. She'll be 91 in about a week. Now what? I don't know. My mom and I, all we know is that God is in control. Our good God is in control. My mom has been my dad's primary caregiver for a year. And now, not only is he gone from the house, the hospital bed is gone. The oxygen tanks are gone. It's all gone. It's empty. Will my mom at 91 get over the grief of a 73 year marriage? I don't know. All mom and I know is that our good God is in control. Many of you know about my Debbie's struggles with Alzheimer's. Um, It's very frustrating disease both for the victim and for those who love her. And so what's our future look like? I don't know. All Deb and I know is our good God is in control. How long will we stay in this place? When will it get worse? We don't know. All Deb and I know is our good God is in control. Three months ago, I made the hardest decision in my life. Um, I'd served here as lead pastor for over 40 years and I stepped down from the leadership role Uh, to spend more precious time with my dear uh, Debbie. And I found out, you know what? It's not like a switch you can turn off. And I was like, if I'm not the lead pastor, who am I? I don't know. All I know is that my good God is in control. Am I still needed? Wanted? I don't know. All I know is my good God is in control. You need to know that for your struggles as well. And so uh, our Shannon has prepared stickers for you to take home. When you leave, you'll be given one of these. They say, our good God is in control. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your fridge, your phone, your device. Stick it on your forehead and look in the mirror. Put it on your Bible. Just remind yourself as often as you can, our good God is in control. Let me close by sharing with you how Paul closed his teaching on anxiety from that prison cell on death row. He writes this way, do not be anxious about anything. The force of the Greek verb there is it means don't stay stuck in anxiety. Work the spiritual principles. Bust up the anxiety by believing, trusting that God is in control and God is good. Don't stay stuck in the anxiety. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful. There's the big anxiety buster gratitude. Thankful prayer. And what's going to happen? Well, then the peace of God, which transcends human study, understanding, will then keep constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest. As they rest in healing, in winning the lottery, as they rest in Jesus Christ, that's where the rest comes from. The rest, in the rest of Jesus Christ, there's no room for anxiety. He puts a guard over our heart, over our minds, and keeps us in rest. All we gotta do is come to him and trust because your good faith will have a good impact on your good feelings. Would you stand with me please? Let me pray over you right now as a group what I would pray over anyone who came to me struggling with uh, any painful, negative emotion. So if you bow right now, just receive this prayer. Our Lord Jesus, you are an amazing, amazing God. Lord Jesus, the scripture tells us that by your wounds, we are healed. And so Lord Jesus, I would like to ask that you take your nail pierced hands and apply them to every heart and every mind in this room and watching online. Lord Jesus, place your nail pierced hands on every heart and every mind and bring full emotional healing, Lord. Restore Restore every person to your best image, your best version of them, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, let them find rest by their good faith, by their trust. Let them find rest in you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.